0: The following audio is from Living Acts Church in Tyler, Texas. For more information about the church, you can visit our website, www.livingactschurch.com, or you can find us on Facebook at www.facebook.com forward slash Church. Well, good morning. If you want to take your Bibles and turn to Luke chapter 1, we're going to be looking at verses 5 through 25 this morning. I know many of you are, uh, I, I'm hearing a little sickness in the voice there. I know there's like four or five families that all of a sudden got some stomach flu this Wednesday. I don't know where, but somewhere uh, in our church. Perhaps they got it at one of our little daycare places there, where growth group is. But anyway, pray for them because I know that's not much fun having a family that's, that's sick this morning. Now, uh, I want to welcome you, first of all, to our second message in the Gospel of Luke. So last week... We saw the, the big picture of verses 1 through 4, and we learned this. We learned that we can be certain that the gospel is true, and then therefore, life has certainty for us, and we must follow Jesus. And so today, we're going to look at verses 5 through 25 of chapter 1, and we're going to see this big picture this morning, and this is the, what we're going to learn. We're going to learn that God will bring his promises to completion, and sometimes In surprising ways Now I am not normally a big fan of surprises And I say normally because like you If I win the Publisher's Clearinghouse on February 28th I don't know anything about this of course But um, I'm going to win $5,000 a week for a life And I'm going to be pleasantly surprised about that And accept that surprise joyfully But other surprises I'm not as fond of Uh, Like when I found out just recently in my house that I needed to have a pipe that was clogged, removed, and replaced under the slab of my house. I wasn't, I didn't like that surprise very much. It wasn't a pleasant surprise. But even that turned out to be a better surprise because they were going to have to go down and fix that pipe and tear up the kitchen floor and all that stuff, but they were able to do so without doing that. And so it was one bad surprise, but it was also uh, another good surprise also. They went right through the dishwasher, and that was great with me. And then I remember um, being surprised by my wife when I was 40 years old, which was pretty just a few years ago, of course, and she threw me a a big surprise party at at the school I was working at at that time, and to be honest with you, I'm not a real big fan of those kind of surprises. So don't throw me birthday parties, surprise birthday parties, but pleasantly and happily surprised when I found out each time that my wife was pregnant and we were having a few kids. All that was a great surprise. And then last week, uh, I was up early, and with my back, to the hallway of our house and and my wife snuck by me and she touched me in the back. I jumped and screamed and then um, because I didn't know she was up yet, so I'm not so fond of that kind of a surprise and I I quickly reminded her, by the way, that my body is a weapon and that could be dangerous. So um, anyway, those types of surprises are, are, you know, they're both good and bad. Well, this morning, we're gonna look at the life of two godly people. And the surprises that occurred in their lives Surprises that were part of God making good on his promises to mankind Promises that were made 400 years earlier in the book of Malachi And this morning I want you to leave here assured that the God who makes promises will keep And that the will keep them and he will complete those promises That's what I want you to leave here this morning with, being assured of. In a world where people really can't trust one another, I don't know if you've noticed that, in a world where our word sometimes doesn't mean anything because people won't keep our word, their word, I want you to know from the outset of this message today that God is faithful to keep his promises, but sometimes he does so in a very surprising way. And with that in mind, will you now stand with me in honor of the reading of the word of God this morning? I'm going to read quite a few verses here, all 20 of them, beginning with verse 5. So this is the word of the Lord. In the days of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah of the division of Abijah. And he had a wife from the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. And he will be filled with the Holy Spirit, even from his mother's womb. And he will turn many of the children of Israel to their Lord, their God, and he will go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready for the Lord a people prepared. And Zechariah said to the angel, "'How shall I know this? "'For I'm an old man and my wife is advanced in years.' And the angel answered him, "'I am Gabriel. "'I stand in the presence of God.' And when his time of service was ended, he went to his home. After these days, his wife Elizabeth conceived, and for five months she kept herself hidden, saying, Thus the Lord has done for me in the days when he looked on me to take away my reproach among people. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Now, as we begin looking at this passage this morning, I want us first to look and see the background of these surprises that we're about to talk about. These were dark days. These were the the days of of King Herod, the king of Judea. And Judea meaning really uh, all the area that the Jews lived in at the time. And and King Herod wasn't exactly a princely fellow. He was a tyrant in fact. He had nine and some say he had 10 wives and one whom he just executed because he just felt like executing her. So really not a nice guy. And Herod had done quite a few good things in one sense to kind of build up the nation of Israel, including enhancing the temple a little bit, but he was a puppet king that was put in place by Rome. So Judea wasn't exactly a peaceful place. The the people of Israel were a defeated people occupied by those that they despised. But the dark times also, though, extended to the fact that the people of God had not heard a fresh prophetic voice in over 400 years. There had been no great prophets since Malachi. This time period has been known as the 400 years of silence. Now there was this uh, Qumran community that was active and, and they believed that God was moving through them and their prophet. But for the average Jew during this time, it seemed to be a time of great silence. I mean, where was God, in other words, where was the one that, He had promised to come. There was one that they said was going to come, the one who would save them from the tyranny of this Roman rule. I have a question for you. Do you feel sometimes very similarly that God is, is not speaking anymore? Do you look at this world and become discouraged thinking that God is no longer active in this world. Do, do you see sin? Do you see the degradation of mankind? Do you, do you see a country like ours that, that allows innocent children to be slaughtered? Do you see a, a country like ours that celebrates immorality as if it's some kind of gift from God? Do you see families As we see in our world that are torn apart by greed and and drugs and and all kinds of selfishness and things like that. So we too, we we can be discouraged in dark times. And that was the way it was for the Jews during the days of King Herod. But I want you to notice there was some hope. Yeah, there were dark days, but there was also righteous people. In verse 5, we read about a a couple in particular. Zechariah. In Elizabeth and they were described as you notice here in verse five that they were righteous before God they walked blamelessly in all the commandments and statues of the Lord this was a, a stellar couple God fearing God honoring and it says clearly that God himself thought that they were righteous and that's significant in God's eyes, that they were righteous. They were not people who tried to show their righteousness before the crowd. Look at me, I do this right, and I follow everything. They wanted to live righteously before God. But notice about them, what it says about them is that they were barren. That is, they had no children, And they were too old at this point to have kids. It it says advanced in years, it says there in the ESV. And those ESV translators are so kind, the way they talk about old people, that they're just advanced in years. So that's what you can say about me. I'm just advanced in years, okay? I'm not old. And that's the background of the scriptures we're about to see. That's what we're looking at now. But I want you to see now, I want us to spend the rest of our time just looking at the surprises that occur to Zechariah and to Elizabeth. God is now beginning to work in this fresh new way here in the book of Luke. After 400 years of silence, he's making good on this promise that he made in Malachi to send someone who was like Elijah, the prophet. Someone who's gonna be this forerunner of the Messiah, the the promised one who's gonna change the world. This forerunner was not going to be the Messiah. That was made very clearly, but he was gonna prepare the way of the Lord. There is such hope in this passage for us and such hope in this passage for the people of, of Judea during this time. Not only does this passage usher in the messianic era, and thus the lamb of God that is gonna take away the sin of the world, but it also, it confirms our big picture that we looked at this morning, that God will bring promises to completion. We can be hopeful as, we're, as we are, for for instance, his second coming. Someday he will appear again and, and meet us in the air and, and there will be a, a new heaven and there's gonna be a new earth and we will be with him forever that's what we learn from all this that his promises will be confirmed they will be completed now the passage tells us that Zechariah was serving as a, a priest before God when his division was on duty he he was the passage tells us of the division of Abijah and there were these 24 priest divisions and they worked in the temple and each division worked for two weeks out of the year one week at a time And they provided the needs of the temple, uh, the services, and and the sacrifices. And in fact, there were over 18,000 of these priests. Zechariah was one of those 18,000. And now we learn something about him. This is the first surprise we're going to see. The first surprise was this, was that he was chosen to serve in the temple. In verses 8 through 10, we notice that he was chosen by Lot, Not Lot over here, but not him. Okay? Nice joke, huh? Anyway, I was waiting all week for that, Lot. All week. You don't know how good it is that you're here this morning. I I feel so happy right now. So, but the passage says that he was chosen by Lot to enter the temple and to burn incense. And this was uh, only a once-in-the-lifetime opportunity for the priests to clean. And they would clean the altar of incense, and then they would offer this fresh incense during the sacrifice. So here was a surprise, but it wasn't by chance. This was part of God's sovereign plan. Proverbs 16, 33, and I love this verse. I remember uh, I was trying to make a big decision in my life a long, long time ago, and I, this verse just helped me out so much where the, the writer says that the lot is cast into the lap, lap, but it's every decision is from the Lord. So we know this wasn't just by accident, but God sovereignly did this. So what you and I might think of as chance or, or luck There really is no such thing. This is of the Lord. And we too should never think that things that happen are fate or or they're luck. No, our Lord is in control of all things. And that's why we call him sovereign Lord. And the encouragement here is for us to know that God is in control. If he knows when a sparrow falls, the scripture says, and if he knows the number of hairs on her head, and he, sovereignly, and he is sovereignly at this moment, he, he surprises Zechariah by choosing him for this honor. And you can imagine his surprise to be cho- chosen to burn the incense. I mean, this is like winning uh, the lottery. It was that big of a deal. 18,000 priests, and he is chosen at this point in history to serve in the temple. Well, that's the first surprise. But then a second surprise occurs. An angel appears. In verse 11, as multitudes, that says we're praying outside. And by the way, just as a kind of a sideline, one of the great themes that we mentioned last week in the book of Luke is Luke's association of events with prayer. And we're going to explore this a little bit later. But be aware that as you read through this book and as we study this book, God's people pray. That's the key thing. That's why one of the great joys we're going to have this afternoon uh, after our meeting is, the Lord willing, we will have plenty of time to have some time in corporate prayer together, something that we don't often get to do because we don't have a building of our own to do that all the time. So not only is is he chosen, that is, Zachariah chosen for this prestigious job, but then this angel appears to him. Now, he was troubled about this. We, We read this, it says that fear fell upon him, which of course is... Probably very natural. How how would you react if an angel came to you? Would you, you know, fist bump him or slap him a high five or whatever? I doubt it. Uh, You would be in this tremendous fear and we would naturally fear such a thing. And an angelic presence wasn't a normal activity. It wasn't something that happened every day, even for one chosen to serve in the innermost part of the temple. And it's interesting that this surprise came at as, we, as it says here, the hour of incense. And that's either at 9 a.m. or 3 p.m. when a sacrifice for the sins of the people would occur during this time. The question is, well, why is that so significant? Because this is the moment, at that moment, at nine or three, when the people are praying outside and they are recognizing their sin. Because this is the moment of the sacrifice. When they recognize or acknowledge their sin, they recognize their need for cleansing of that sin but then there's a third surprise that occurs to Zechariah it's found in verse 13 and and I've described this as I'm going to be a dad (laughs) nice surprise don't be afraid he's told the prayers the prayers that most likely have been long forgotten by Zechariah and Elizabeth because they're now old are now being answered I doubt that they were praying this prayer at their age. They had prayed it a long time ago, but that was an answer. You're going to have a son, he was told, and his name is going to be John. <laughs> what, you know, thought Zechariah. I mean, I, I'm going to be a dad. How, how can this be? He says that I'm old, and it, but it says about him, and you will have joy and gladness and many will rejoice at his birth, he is told. Why such joy? Well, because the new messianic age is dawning. We read later that all people are rejoicing in this new age. The Messiah is coming. And John is the forerunner of that great one who is coming. Now, you, you put this surprise all together with what is happening. And here's what we get. At the moment when he is putting the incense on the altar, at the same time of the sacrifice, the angel announces he will send a forerunner forerunner of the one who will take away the sin of the world, the one who will be the ultimate sacrifice you see it's, it's not a coincidence it's not by chance it's God bringing his promise to completion in a surprising way now for us today, just a just a thought and of, of looking through this that Never should we ever give up praying for things. Never give up on praying for things. You see, Jesus told us this. He said, you need to keep knocking until you have an answer. When you come to my door, I have a ring, of course, and and then my phone barks when it happens, but um, it's very classy. But when you come to my door, if you just do this, I'm not going to answer it. I'm going to go, what what was that? Something happened in the house. But if you come to my door and you do this, 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 guess what? I'm going to answer the door. And this is what God tells us to do. He tells us to pray in this, keep knocking until we have an answer. So never stop praying until you have an answer. Now, if he gives you the answer, okay, stop, but not until. Never give up on praying. In other words, for that loved one that needs to come to faith in Christ. I know my wife has, had prayed for years and years and years for my mother in law to be saved. And we, we believe that that occurred. And we, we, we don't, we, it's one of those things where we're trusting God for what she said and how she confessed Christ. But I'll tell you what, there was a lot of years of faithful praying. And, and those verses we learned when we were young in the faith, they, they kind of they still resonate with us now. Do you remember Proverbs 3 5 and 6? Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not rely on your own understanding. Acknowledge him and he will make your paths straight. That's the type of hope we need to have in prayer. So, so far, Zechariah has had some pretty decent surprises. Number one, he was chosen to serve in the temple. Uh, An angel appears to him. Thirdly, he finds out he's going to be a dad. And then then he's surprised to find out about that son this son he finds out is different if you start in verse 15 notice with me we start seeing the difference in this son verse 15 says for he will be great before the lord he must not drink wine or strong drink and what we learn here is that john is great Jesus reminds us in Luke chapter 7 and verse 28. He says, I tell you that that among those born of women, none is greater than John. And Jesus is clearly saying that John is great and of the lineage of the Old Testament type of prophets because he was this forerunner of the Messiah, the Son of God. And I I love this passage in in Luke 7. Can't wait to get there. But I love this passage because it, it goes on to say that one who is least in the kingdom of God is greater than John though. So John is great of the Old Testament prophets, but also the person who trusts in Christ, the least person as Lord and Savior is great in the kingdom of God because of the work of Christ on the cross. And he's reminding us as we learned as we went through the book of Hebrews of the superiority of this new covenant. And so Zechariah is surprised to know that his son is different, but also notice in verse 15 and and following different ways that he's different. Secondly, notice that it says that he will be filled with the Holy Spirit, even from his mother's womb. Now get this, while still in his mother's womb, he will be filled with the Holy Spirit. The prophet of God will be controlled by the Holy Spirit from a very early age, for he was the one promised to come to make the way for the Christ, the Messiah, the one who was gonna take away the sins of the world. And what we learned here is, we learned here the necessity of the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. We know that Romans 8 9 tells us that we who trust in Christ and Lord, as Lord and Savior have the Holy Spirit indwelling us. Paul wrote that if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. And that is, if you do not have the Holy Spirit, you're not a follower of Jesus. But if you trust him as Lord and Savior, you will have the indwelling Holy Spirit. (laughs) The the mystery and the joy of this is far beyond anything I can comprehend. I mean, how (laughs) how is it that God the Holy Spirit indwells we who believe? Does anybody really comprehend that? I know it's true. I believe it. But shouldn't that change the way we live? Shouldn't that change the way that we do things? Shouldn't it be that no matter what we do from changing a diaper to teaching at school to working at train or wherever you work, half the place here works at train, okay? (laughs) Whatever you do, that God, the Holy Spirit, he should fill us on a daily basis. I mean, we are told to be filled with the Spirit. Ephesians 5 tells us this. So we must yield to him to, to fill us so that we will live a life of self-control, a life of love and joy and peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, and gentleness. But I want us to notice also in verse 16, this another description of John is different. It says, it says that he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord, their God. And I would love to say this of my sons, that they're gonna turn all the people of Israel to God. But he's gonna be an instrument used by God to turn many of the Israelites to the Lord. Remember, after 400 years of silence, 400 years of darkness, John, whose name, by the way, means Jehovah is gracious, will be part of this new kingdom. And by the power of the Holy Spirit, he's going to share a message of repentance and faith. And what's going to happen? Many will turn to God. Now, here's the beautiful thing for us we are no different than John the Baptist in one sense, in this sense. We are able, through the power of the Holy Spirit, to do this now. We are able to share the gospel of Jesus Christ one of repentance and faith towards the Lord Jesus Christ. In other words, we talk about it here as gospel out, gospel in today, gospel out when we leave here. And then what does God do? Well, God saves sinners. We water, we plant, God gives the increase. And all this is done through the finished work of Jesus Christ. And isn't that our continued prayer that many will turn to the Lord their God That's my prayer and I know that's your prayer. Many of you spend time and you might not see that person repenting at this moment, but many of you are sharing Christ daily in your workplaces. I've heard about it. I hear about it in growth group and and different things of, of people who are sharing the gospel with people. Keep praying, keep understanding God will turn the hearts of people to God, to himself. But notice also that in verse 17, we learn this, and he will go before him, in the spirit, in the power of Elijah. So John, this John is gonna be different that he's gonna go in in the spirit, in the power of Elijah. And we're gonna see more in our study in in chapter three concerning more specifically how John went in the spirit and power of Elijah. But for now, we're gonna simply say this, that in John's life, he exhibited a power that could only come from God the Holy Spirit as he ministered and preached the message of repentance and faith. But I want you to notice what the spirit and power of Elijah will do. It says this, it continues on in verse 17. It says that this spirit will do this. It will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready for the Lord a people prepared. You see, John's message from God This is what it's going to do. It's going to turn the hearts of fathers to their children. That's significant. They will become compassionate and full of love toward their children. And isn't this really what the true gospel does? It turns our hearts to our children to raise them up in the fear and admonition of the Lord. It it causes us to turn back to God. It revives our souls and I don't know about you, but but honestly, in many ways I can't think of, of any greater need in our country today or in Tyler, Texas, than the hearts of for fathers to be turned to their children. Do I need to tell you of the thousands of young men and women who are living without fathers today? But thanks be to God, that even those who are living without a father, that doesn't mean automatic failure for God can become that good and gracious, loving father to those those who have no earthly father. And we bank on that, we're thankful for that. But it is God's plan for fathers to lead their households and to turn their children to the Lord. But also notice in this passage, it says that he will turn the disobedient to the wisdom of the just. So not just fathers to the children, but all who will believe. Well, why? Well, it says very clearly to make ready for the Messiah. Jesus, our Lord, is coming. That is to prepare the way. That was John's job and that's what he was going to do. Now, I want you to notice with me two more quick surprises for Zachariah and Elizabeth. Zachariah now learns something that's not so wonderful, this surprise that comes to him, and that is this. The disobedience has consequences. Now, one would think that after all those surprises, that Zechariah would not doubt what he had been told. I mean, he, he was chosen to serve by lot in the temple. An angel appears to him. He's told he's going to be a, God, a dad and, and he's old, past the years for normally having children. He's told that his son is gonna be different and yet he doubts. He doubts. He, he's disobedient because of his unbelief. Look at verse 18 with me, it says this. And Zechariah said to the angel, how shall I know this? For I'm an old man and my wife is advanced in years. You see, Zechariah wanted some other type of assurance that this would be true. How shall I know this, he says. He says, I need more proof. It's not enough. Now, now before you and I get all judgmental, because we're really good at that, I'm really good at that, okay? And say, come on, Zach. This is, this is his abbreviation, Zach. You're a scholar. Zach, okay, yeah. Come on, Zach. Uh, angel's in front of you. He's talking to you. Don't you get it? Isn't that enough? But aren't we like that sometimes also? We, we have this book. It's called God's Holy Word. It's called the Bible, which is truth. We, we've seen it work in the hearts and minds of people, We know that it doesn't return void, and we've seen lives change because of it, and we've experienced his faithfulness, and yet you and I, what do we do? We do the same thing. We doubt sometimes. But notice here that because of that doubt, that is unbelief, it is specifically understood as unbelief, we sometimes are judged by God. Now that's tough to understand, but look at verse 19. And the angel answered, I am Gabriel, I stand in the presence of God and I was sent to speak to you and to bring you this good news and behold, you will be silent and unable to speak until the day that these things take place. Why? Because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their times. Now, those are hard words to say, but nonetheless, they're true. There are consequences for our disobedience to God's word. Now, I cannot tell you that everything that is happening to you negatively is because of disobedience. I will not tell you that because I don't believe the scripture teaches that. That's not true. However, I do believe that it's possible. That is, it is biblical for us to examine ourselves to see if we are being obedient to God and his word. If not, there are consequences. And to some, that might be the the biggest surprise of the day for you sitting out there. It might be the biggest surprise of the day amid all the surprises that we're speaking of today. But there's a remedy for it. And the remedy, of course, is to repent. That is to, to turn from that disobedience and trust in the finished work of Christ on the cross for forgiveness, I love that verse that I use every day of my life. It is 1 John 1, 9. It is written to believers. If we confess our sins, if we confess is a word that means to agree with God about how he sees sins, that's what confession is. It's seeing sin as God sees sin. How does God see sin? He, starts with an H, hates it, okay? If we confess our sin, he, God, is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Thanks be to God for 1 John 1 9. And so here's Zechariah. He was struck, unable to talk, and some believe that he was unable to hear also until the eighth day after his son's birth, after John's birth. But look at verse 21. And the people were waiting for Zechariah and they were wondering at his delay in the temple. And when he came out, he was unable to speak to them and they realized that he had seen a vision in the temple and he kept making signs to them and he remained mute. And when his time of service was ended, he went to his home. Now, there's one more surprise that occurred and the last surprise was magnificent and it's this, Elizabeth's reproach is taken away in verses 24 and 25. You see, Elizabeth conceived, and John was on the way. The baby was in the oven. And for for a couple to not have a child in that era, some thought it was because of sin. That was kind of a thought of the day. But it was made clear earlier in the chapter that that's false. That was not true. It said of Zechariah that they were a righteous couple in God's eyes, and that's what matters. Verse 25 says... Thus the Lord has done for me in the days when he looked on me to take away my reproach among people. You'll notice that Elizabeth focused her thankfulness for the child on God. She praised God for this surprise. Her focus and her worship was on God and God took away from her what people thought of her. The reproach was gone. God will take care of his own. Now, what's the big picture today? God will bring his promises to completion, sometimes in surprising ways. And as we close today, my prayer is that what you see in this story, in the book of Luke, is that God is faithful, that he will complete his promises. You know, way back in Genesis 3.15, immediately after the fall, he promised to send a savior that would bruise the head of the evil one. And the entire Old Testament is really a picture of the promise of a savior to come, to save those who would believe from their sin. So that that promise is here in the book of Luke, and it begins with all these surprises to a couple of faithful people who love their God with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength. And so I pray that you're gonna live in the hope of God's promises this week because I I guarantee you they will come to completion as as we look into God's word and as we understand God's word and as we hide God's word in our heart, it will be completed. We will be positively surprised about how they are fulfilled in our life, in our world. And thanks be to God for that promise. Will you pray with me? Father, this morning, I'm often overwhelmed by your word, but I am so encouraged by this story of Zechariah and Elizabeth. I'm encouraged because your promise was that you'd complete what you, you said you'd do. And God, we, in our day and age, we often can't trust one another sometimes, but we could, you are faithful. And even when we're faithless, you are faithful, you told us. So this morning, as we celebrate in song, may we just think of your faithfulness to us. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening. For more information on Living Acts Church, please visit our website, www.livingactschurch.com or you can find us on Facebook at www.facebook.com forward slash livingactschurch.